at the end of the day, like I said last week, it's racism. Racism is the problem. And it's a shame that we as black people, as the three of us sit here, have to think of what can we do to stop this? It's like asking a room full of women, what can y'all do to stop men from from raping you? What can y'all do to stop men from from grabbing your ass or fondling you at a, at a at a, uh, at a at a at an establishment? It's a shame that we, the victims, have to try to think of the solution. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. I'm joined with my co-host, Buff and Rozzy. Before we start off, we want to send a happy birthday shout-out to our one and only Rozzy on here, turning 39. Birthday boy. So by the time you guys hear this, his birthday will have passed, but we're recording on his birthday, June 4th, this Thursday. And I want to say special thanks to all the people who will join our call, our Zoom call Friday. I hope you guys had a blast. Rosie, take it away. Birthday boy. What's up, man? Thank you, guys. I want to um, thank everybody for all the birthday wishes, the gifts. Uh, I have somebody sent me an edible arrangement. I appreciate that. Uh, I was telling Fergus Byron before we started, man, this was a hard one because for the last 10 years, Jenica is huge on birthdays or was huge on birthdays. Like that was her thing. She loved birthdays. And so for the last 10 years, I've woken up to a gift in my face or like a breakfast or her asking me what I want for breakfast, getting a special dinner, like making it a big, big deal. And um, I was kind of dreading it and avoiding it. I, I, Somebody, I went to work today, and so somebody, while I was working, they were like, why didn't you take off? And I was just like, I was a little bit of avoidance. Like, I didn't want to have to think about, you know, her not being here and and everything. So I didn't want to celebrate for real. But like I said, man, I've gotten so much love from everybody hitting me up. Uh, The Three Brothers Post, uh, everybody who said happy birthday on there, appreciate you guys. Love that. But it was weird. Sophie kind of stepped up to the plate. Again, that's my baby, man. She um she did like a, a treasure hunt and she made like four different gifts and boxed them up. And then she did, you know, just little clues to each location. And so I had to like go down the little treasure hunt and go to each box and open it up. And so it was just really cool, man. She did um like a bunch of little books that she had written, like things about sea animals and things she likes things i like and that thing kind of stuff she did um the second gift was a a craft she had made she basically made me a birthday cake out of play-doh so she made me a birthday cake then the next gift it was just an envelope she had made with a piece of paper and some staples but she put two dollars in there and I was like, oh, this is going into the, uh, the, <laughs> I was like, this is going into the tooth fairy fund. She's like, yeah, because this is my tooth fairy money, because that's the only thing I get dollars for. So, <laughs> oh, let me hold, let me tell her, let me hold a dollar. I, uh, all right, I'll tell her next time, let you hold a dollar. And then, um, what was the last gift? Oh, and so then she made me, I didn't know why, but she was harping on, she needed some, 
uh, some mix for her Easy Bake Oven. And I was like, you know, okay, you, you like Easy Bake Oven, cool, cool. So for the last couple of days, she's been harping on it. And I don't know if y'all looked at how much Easy Bake Oven stuff costs, but uh, it's uh, like $14 for a single refill of the Easy Bake Oven mix. And y'all know me. I ain't paying $14 for no single refill. So I went to the grocery store. I bought regular cake mix and I just uh, divvied it up into like 11 different little snack bags. And so, boom, she got her uh, her cake mix for for a smooth three dollars. And I got 11 servings. So anybody out there, if, uh, you know, you, your kids got an easy bake oven, that's a very, very good way to uh, get them some easy bake oven stuff. And so but she took that and she made me uh, a cake for my last gift. So she was harping on it so that she could make me a cake. So she did like all the gift stuff and everything. So it was just cool, man, that she really like made it a big deal. And so then my folks came and everything and we, we you know, sung happy birthday and, and ate dinner and that type of thing. But uh, that was the highlight of the day, man, was just her gift uh, to me. So it was cool. Bro, uh, break bread with my love. God, daughter, bro. Stop being cheap, bro. Let that girl live. Let her live, bro. She she is extremely happy with these cake mixes. You both. I'm surprised I, bro, you get it off. I, I'll send I'll send pictures. I even I even <laughs> I've even printed out little tags that like tell her how to make each one of them and stuck that on there. Man, I'm I'm on this DIY thing, man. It's a, it's a single dad stuff, man. I'm on. Bro, it. I'm surprised you didn't get it off to like the Mexican black market or something. <laughs> El Izo Bake Oven. No, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's not quite easy bake oven, but it's it's it's, it's almost like it. Fern did the, the face palm emoji. <laughs> bro, that's that, bro. So what you got for us, Buff? What's up with you, man? Um, well, I'm actually gonna take a page from you, man. I'm gonna steal something from you and just just ask you guys what Rosie kind of told us, but just ask you guys how are you guys doing, man. You know, it's a it's a lot of crazy ish going on right now. And not just with George Floyd, but just this entire year, Rozzy just kind of, you know, touched on something he went through, man. So just, man, how are you guys doing? Well, me, I mean, I've been in a in a somewhat of a rut, man. Like, I just haven't been feeling like myself lately. Feeling kind of caught in a monotony of the day, being at home every day, working at home. Yeah. With all the other stuff that's going on, you know, to stay in place. Like it's just been, it's been getting the best of me. I think yesterday I kind of had a small little breakthrough. I had a couple of things I had to errands I had to run. So I was out of the house for the first time in months for the majority of the day. And it just kind of reinvigorated me. And so today was a little better, man, but uh, I'm doing good, man. Still tired, still a little bit overwhelmed, but today and yesterday were better than the last few days. And I mean, I really don't have a lot to complain about. It's just, kind of that, you know, how you just find yourself in that funk. Like it's just, uh, it's been hard to be at work and be engaged, uh, pay attention, waiting, almost waiting for somebody to say the wrong thing and then having to get your, get your cool. But I'm doing, I'm doing better, man. Like, uh, my job, my company made their statement yesterday. I give it a C, C plus at best. You know, they at least made an attempt and they actually kind of had a disclaimer like we never make statements like this, but we got to say something this time. 
it wasn't full-fledged Black Lives Matter, but it wasn't full-fledged All Lives Matter either. It's just like, hey, you know, we, we have to acknowledge there's some crazy things going on. I can't imagine what some of our our employees and other people are feeling. So, you know, we're here for you. If you need anything, let us know. So, you know, but outside of that, then I think I'm doing okay, man. What about you, Buff? Uh, well, you know, I'm kind of in the thick of things. Uh, we've had some protests come up there to the Capitol. So it hasn't been that bad. I know you guys have been seeing what you see on TV, but at the Capitol, man, from what I've experienced, because I still have to work for the Senate, uh, and when they go out, I go outside and help out with that. It hasn't been too bad. Um, got one officer that may have went viral as he was like, you know, actually having a dialogue with a group of the protesters, man, because they started out, you know, you know, calling them names like <laughs> we black officers. We get it. So like when the Klan comes up there and protests, we got to hear that. And then when the black people come up, there, it's like, you on the wrong side. <laughs> so, yeah. So somebody somebody said it. It's like uh, we're too black for blue and we're too blue for black, which means that, you know, we're too black to some of our white co-workers, but we're too police blue for black people. So it's just been crazy, man. So. You know, the, the the slight mourning that I was still going through over my mom and stuff, you know, ever since what happened to George Floyd, it's like I've had something to focus on and just kind of take my attention and, and my energy. Like, it's, it's really consumed me a lot, as you guys could tell on the last episode. So um, I'm overall doing all right, man. I'm just I'm, I'm taking my my own advice and taking it one day at a time. Um, people still checking on me. Me and you, we still try to check on Rozzy. And um, so all of that helps, man. And then doing this show with you guys, it's like it's like one of the highlights of the week. Definitely. Yep. yep. Anything else always, you want to add, Rozzy? Yeah, I, I always say that this is therapeutic. I mean, and it really, really is. I mean, and, and that's the same thing. Anybody who follows me on Facebook, you can kind of tell I use like Facebook journaling. I, I made a post to at three in the morning, just how, just like Byron said, I, I've got something else to focus on. But at the same time, my post talked about how I was thinking about Jen and I was thinking about George and I'm thinking about the, the, the world that we wanted for our kids and how we can give it to them and everything. And like, you know, I'm, I miss Jen because she was my calm. She could calm me down with just a touch, but at the same time, like, it's just so much, man. I mean, it, it's numb. And, and, and I've said it a few times, you, you just feel indifferent to everything. So that that's, that's really all I have left now is it's either rage or indifference. And so, uh, and I talked a little bit about putting on the mask uh, and a lot of people kind of questioned me on what the mask is. And I, I gave an analogy of it's when, you feel down when you're hurt and black people, we have to do it all the time, right? You, you, you're frustrated at all of this, but you still got to go into work and you got to smile. You got to have that conversation with your coworker and you got to chat around the water cooler when you really don't want to. And the kids are being annoying, but you can't just go off on them. So you got to stay calm with the kids and everything. When you just want to yell, leave me the hell alone. And you know, that that's the mask. And so 
I was talking about how you got to put it on that in the morning and it's exhausting to just wear it all day long and wait until the kids go to bed at eight thirty nine o'clock. And now you can finally take it off and let it out. And so, and that's really what I've been doing. So, you know, I let it out in the morning before wipe the tears away, put the mask on and you go through the day, man. And that, and that's kind of how I've been feeling for the last week, two weeks. And um, so it's, it's hard because especially since, you know, the George Floyd thing, it's like now it's even heightened because we're at home. You got COVID. We got all this going on. I have, you know, the loss that I'm grieving over and I've got now it's in my face. I want to be out there protesting too. I want to be out there, but I'm like, I can't risk it. I can't go to jail. I can't get arrested. I can't do anything. I can't catch COVID. I can't do any of that. So it's like, it's a catch 22 because I want to, I want to be there for them, but I still got to stay here for the kids too. And so it's just like frustration all around, but it's, I, I will say one thing. I am very happy to be here and I don't live in Birmingham. I live in Hoover, which, you know, is, uh, is outside of Birmingham, but Birmingham, they brought down the Confederate uh, statue knowing that we were going to get fined for it. And so I am proud of Birmingham as a, a greater metropolitan area because they're, they're bucking the Alabama, you know, white, the, the white politicians and, and, and the, the white power structure that we talked about in the last episode. So I'm well, glad well, Birmingham is standing up and doing that. What would they get fined for? Is it because it's a national monument or? Alabama, because, you know, it, when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, there was a big push to try to take down the Confederate um, statues and everything. Mm-hmm. Birmingham was going to take it down. And this is this is the M.O. of the Alabama uh, State Senate anyway. But the Alabama legislature passed a law that said that no city can take down any 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 statue. That's how they did it. That's been up longer than, I think, 100 years or something like that. So that's the way for them to preserve any Confederate statue that had been up uh, for that time period. Without just saying protecting we protecting white. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, and, and, and think about a hundred years ago, who could put up statues? So <laughs> ain't, yeah. ain't no statue that with us on it, that's been up over a hundred years. Especially so, in Alabama. Yeah. And so that's the thing. So, I mean, they, they set it up like that. And so what Birmingham did is they put wood planks or wood boards around the statues to at least block the view. And they got sued for that. And Actually, one, I don't think they got anything. And, and the court said that they could keep it up. So it's been hidden from view for, I think, the last three or four years or whatever. And uh, there was a, a, a huge protest. They defaced one of them. They took one of them down. So there's a smaller like um, metal statue. They took that one down. But there was a huge three story obelisk that was in, in the middle of Lynn Park. And protesters went in, they defaced it, they, they chipped as much as they, away as they could. And the mayor of the city, he's a young cat, uh, Randall Wolfen, I, I really feel like he's going in places and he's probably going to end up being the mayor one day or the governor one day, but or a state senator. We'll, we'll kind of see how that works out. But he's going places and he decided and he made the call that he was going to take it down and take the fine for it. So the state fined the city twenty five thousand dollars, 
the city rallied around and raised the money so the city didn't have to pay it. So um, people from all around the state really gave to a fund to make sure we covered that. And the state, because they raised more than the $25,000, the state tried to increase the fine to cut, to match what um, we raised. And I was like, or, or over it. So then the state, the city still would have to pay something. I was like, man, they just, it's, it makes no sense. It's like, if it's the fine and that's what it is, we covered the fine. We took the statue down. Be done with it. But the state still wants to try to punish us for doing something that we all know is right. Good old Alabama, man. Hey, man. That's crazy. What's been on my mind recently is, I guess, the the picture I sent you guys the other day with the gentleman at the, I guess, the protest and having his young child on his shoulders and it had there was a picture of a police officer pointing a a weapon that shoots rubber bullets in all fairness at the the man more so at the looks like more so at the child and the instant outrage I felt about that and made me think like I'm uh, this is crazy and what happened like shortly after that was one of my coworkers was they stay in um in the Seattle area and they went to the protest on Tuesday in their their hometown and his father kind of was upset with him reprimanded him because like why do you have the kids out there it's dangerous and it made me think of that post like yeah, it's dangerous but I'm like when you really think about what's dangerous about it that's crazy the fact that we we already consider something dangerous because of the presence of the police. I feel like nine times out of ten when they're in those situations, things get escalated because of police present. You know, and we put that up in a group and we had people talking about, you know, kids are too young for that. You know, we most of us know that kids were a pivotal point in the civil rights movement. It was huge for people to see that these kids, for one, care. Two, these kids are the people that these kids that look innocent now are the people that you're going to be killing 10, 20 years from now. And there's so many pictures of them uh, marching and protesting and stuff like that. And it made me think, like, why are why are we so scared of the police? And I, I pushed back on my coworker, like, ask your dad, what is he scared of? I'm, and. He's like, well, they're out there uh, macing people and well, see, they're macing. They have Molotov cocktails, Molotov cocktails and one more thing. I forgot what it was. And I'm like, well, most of that sounds like police tactics. So even you know that the people that you have to worry about are the police. And that's what's crazy. And it opened up a debate because a lot of our listeners and followers were talking about, you know, kids are too young. They shouldn't be exposed to that. And it really made me think because, you know, about my daughter, who's five. I'm like, is she too young? And uh, later that day, I think the question was answered because we went to we went somewhere. No, we were watching TV and she was complaining about commercials. That's her life. That's her biggest pain in her life right now is she's so used to being able to stream movies and stuff like that. That having to wait on commercials was the vein of her existence. And I'm like, man. We've come a long way where her biggest complaint is she has to wait on commercials. It's just the kind of kid that could be in a, you know, in the middle of a march. 
And it made me also think maybe you're overprotecting kids these days. And so that was, I had a whole thought process on that, just on that one picture. I sat there and had so many thought processes on that picture. Uh, mainly the fact that we had to be fearful of the police and how they might escalate the situation, not even just the killing and stuff we're used to, but it's just something as simple as a peaceful protest can go uh, left field due to police involvement. And I'm not saying they are all bad or most of them are bad, but from what I see, that's usually where or how the things escalate. So I had to get that off my chest. Sorry. No, man. It, it's been, I mean, just the responses has been crazy. One is that uh, I, I'll just say that there, there's a lot of racists out there that don't know they're racist. Uh, this is true. I, it's crazy, man. I mean, I, I've seen some things that, that says things like if you question why people are marching, then you might be racist. Like just, just, just from that, if you're like, why are they protesting? You might be racist because you're you're turning a blind eye to it anyway. Um, and and I think we talked a little bit about that. I, I don't believe that they're racist. What I do think is that they, because there, there's a very very difference. Uh, there's a huge difference in being racist and being complacent with the racist system. And I and 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 they're really different. So. That's my thing. I, I really think that they're complacent with a racist system, but they're not necessarily racist themselves. Um, because being racist, you need to actively try to perpetuate that system uh, versus somebody who is just there and ignorant of yeah. just even their 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 um, privilege. Do so, you think they're really ignorant though, or I do? You know, they just fail. I do. I, I do. I, I I think they you've got to think about there there are areas even here in Alabama where people grew up and have never seen a, a black person. There 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 are people who grow up and they one aren't taught the true history that shows the systemic reason why blacks are li- per- disproportionately live in poor neighborhoods they they think oh slavery happened a long time ago you were freed civil rights happened and all of a sudden boom you're good and the the generational wealth that has been passed down the access to jobs the access to loans the access to money the access that they have had over the years put them in a better place. And so, and they still have that privilege. But when you grow up in a community that there are no black people, you don't have that privilege because you don't, you you don't, well, you, you have it. You just don't associate it with it because everybody, a hundred percent of who you're going against is a white person. Well, I'm not going to debate you on that because this isn't the time, but I true definitely have my opinions on that too. But, uh, really don't have much to say. Let's go ahead and pay some bills when we get back to the action. All right, we're back and we made a special request. We want to really laugh today. So we're going to let Sophie tell us a joke. So Sophie, take it away. What do you call cheese that isn't yours? Uh, I'm not sure. 
Nacho cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answer, and it's her delivery. Very right, good. It's your delivery. Very good. <laughs> All right. See, I, I, I told I told y'all my baby. Uh, she she got them for days, man. I'm telling you. It was just it's you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't it's think that delivery. helped your point. That that might have been. We could have been laughing for weeks now. It's you. <laughs> Let me stop because I'm I'm picking on the crowd favor. Let the people tell it. So, oh yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> no man, uh, it's 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 a sympathy vote right now. Give give man, it a, they, give it a no, few months. No no no. I, I, no no no. I heard there's a petition to kick me off the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, uh, for what it's worth, it's your show. So <laughs> that's the only reason yeah. I'm still here. That's the only reason I'm still here. For y'all that don't know, this is Ferg's show, man. We just got invited. Yeah yeah. It's like the Temptations. <laughs> Nobody really cares. Who was the, who was the leader of the Temptations? Otis? Like Otis. it was his name? <laughs> it was it was Otis I'm band. Like, Otis, but nobody cares about Otis. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, that, that's y'all, how it goes. Um, y'all gonna kick me off from like, y'all just looking for another Orazio. Ain't gonna be no yeah, other Orazio. <laughs> Damn, yeah, we got you. There it is, man. I'm 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 so I'm 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 anti. But uh <laughs> considering it's your birthday, Razi, and the people want to hear you talk anyway. We're going to let you ask the first question, man. So uh, what do you have for us? All right. So it, this this might be a short one, might not, but we, we can get into it. I, I remember at one point y'all asked me or we had we had a question and I may have asked it about what movies do you want to see remakes of? And, mm-hmm. you know, you guys kind of got on me about the whole Soul Plane 2 thing, but I still think that would be a good part two because we need to get, you know, a, a better version of it. But anyway, I, I want to go down that road and rehash that argument. So I want to know what remakes would y'all want to be to be retold from another character's perspective. So for example, Harry Potter from Voldemort's perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be short because he wasn't around that long. But hey, just... Voldemort was—he was—he was around like well, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, he yeah. was in the last nah. three movies. Yeah, the last three. So you know, but he's just and this is. But he, but he's I, still I get, making, I get what making you're saying. things I get happen. What you're saying. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna. You know. Uh, you got yeah, anything, Buff? You're gonna have to edit this dead air. I need to think because <sighs> this is something that I I actually thought about before, but I can't remember what my answer was, yo. Because if you think about Avengers Infinity War, it kind of is told from Thanos' point of view. You know what? You know what? This isn't my choice, but in in, in the uh, just for time's sake, I'm going to say Lion King. I want to hear it told from Scar's perspective because for all we know, he could have got lied on a little bit. Like he's the he's he's been made out to be the bad guy. So I want to hear his point of view. Like it may have been some some injustices that Mufasa was uh, running on the pride that we never got privy to. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah. could have been mistreating some people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could have been. He could have. He could have been a lion supremacist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Showing favoritism or whatnot. So I, I just, you know, like yeah. like Scar didn't just become born bad. You know, it ain't like Scar something was, happened. Scar yeah, was a darker brother in the movie. Now that I think about it, there might have been some discrimination. Yeah, put him in his it, place. I, it really was. Scar was the only one that looked like him. Yeah. So he was the minority in it. So that, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with that. Just and I'm listen before y'all get mad because I know everybody loves Mufasa. I'm not exonerating Scar. I just want to hear his version. Okay, 
That's it. Yeah, it'd be like Joker. Yeah, <laughs> like when it, when they made Joker. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, Joker was dope. I just watched that a few weeks ago. Oh, it was man. good. So Mufasa, we we have to go with the the villain. No, no, it'd it be anybody. <laughs> So I'll give you one of mine while you're uh, thinking about it. So, cause I, 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 you know, I had time to think about it because I, I knew the question, but, um, so one of them was, I want to see a Batman movie from like a regular thug perspective. So think just a random dude that fell on hard times, got to feed his family. So and this rich, the Riddler, yeah, this rich like, jerk. <laughs> It, yeah, yeah, and so you you just you just there, you know, on the on, on the corner, being a lookout or something like that, and then this random dude just jump out of nowhere and beat you up and start yelling, "Where's the Riddler?" But before you can answer, he like breaks your jaw, and then he keeps yelling, "Where's the Riddler?" <laughs> but that's a short movie, though. No, because those those thugs are still there the whole movie. So you know, he goes to the hospital, has to come back. And now he's all scared, and Batman comes back around. I mean, Batman, y'all, y'all understand? Batman was a sociopath. Oh, he's crazy. And so I want to see that side of it, where like the, basically it, it could be one of our, our friends that you know didn't make it out in the hood because he got to do what he got to do to feed his family or whatever. And now you got a vigilante running around beating people up and all that stuff. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. I'm gonna go, and just because I guess, I guess my, I might be kind of militant right now. I want to see Killmonger, the movie. Could you imagine his childhood from when that from plane, day one, just from the day that plane leaves yeah, yeah. to him dying on that mountainside, talking about the sunset? Like yeah. that's that's dope. You know, like, because history is always told from the side of the winner, you know? So that's crazy. What's, what's funny about that, Rise, is you, Killmonger is my first one, but I would like to see the movie remade and told at the same time from dual points. So, Byron, what's your favorite movie? Menace of Society. Old Dog. <laughs> what was old dog doing all this time while Kane had this stuff going on? So like, I'm a fan of anybody knows me, I'm a fan of this is us. So they'll tell the same story, mm-hmm. but it'll like be episodes where it's different. You know, it's Rosie's point of view today, Ferg's point of view, right Byron's from point of view tomorrow. And, but it's the same event. And, mm-hmm. you know, old dog, here comes this lame ass nigga Kane, always sweating behind Ronnie. Like, that I want to hear that. Like I want to hear, <laughs> like man, he know he ain't never gonna get it, dog. Like man, that's Parnell, girl, man. He better. What's up, Kane? Like that's what I want to see. <laughs> the code I want to see, you know, like his side of the story. Like what happens after Kane gets shot? Like does he does he roll roll on these dudes? Does he get locked up? You know, almost like uh, Boys in the Hood. They the, the aftermath. You know. Uh, Doughboy got gunned down a few weeks later. Like, I want to see that part. So those are my two. I know you only asked for one, but that was nah, the basic. Yeah, just any of them. I mean, yeah, as many as you can think of, truthfully. Yeah, if you got any others. A couple others that I had. I want to see uh, Django Unchained from, like, Steven's point of view. <laughs> you talking about... Like, uh, so, 
uh, who's Stephen uh, Rising? Samuel L. Jackson character. I, I know, I know. <laughs> that nigga on that nag. So <laughs> think about that. Like the whole time, like that, him in the background just talking junk. That needs to be remade. <laughs> I would pay great money <laughs> to see that. That would be hilarious. And almost his origin story. Like, yeah, I want like to. How, how did he get that powerful to be able to kind of run Candyland from the shadows like he did? Like the movie get the movie could end at nigga on the neck. Like I <laughs> I want to see what led up to that. So yeah, but that, I mean I, I just I I was thinking about that because it's like so many movies, like you said, the the Victor writes everything right. They they write the history, and so I want to see that alternate point of view, and that's kind of cool to be like, okay, let's just do it in the same movie. It might be disjointed. It might be hard to see. Or are hard to follow for some folks, but you know, it, it's a little easier for this is us because they can do it by episode or whatever. Yeah. Um, Perk, you first so, showed me that YouTube video of uh, it was like an alternate explanation for Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Daniel, what's the jerk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Daniel, son was a. You know, that was funny, man. Yeah, I'm so. just saying, like, I want to hear, you know, it's not always just like in a breakup. You got your side, she got her side. You know, right. it's, that's what I want to hear, you know. Speaking of any of the hangover movies from uh, Child, Mr. Child's point of view, like, I want to <laughs> know more about him. Like, that dude is hilarious. Or Alan can have his own spinoff. So I was going to uh, petition Marvel to do a Thanos movie. I'm going to have to hit him up about a Killmonger movie, too, because the way you just described that, like, remember, he goes to Afghanistan, Iraq, Dude, all that that's like, dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that could be that's a whole a series. That yeah. could be, you could, you could, you could make him, like, Rise, you might be onto something. Like, if they can continue the MCU on the side, even though you know what's going to happen with the, the villains' orange, origin stories. Killmonger, Thanos. I think those are the biggest two. Like, I'm trying to think who else I would really want to. Because they're already doing a Thor. I mean, not Thor, but Loki. But Marvel is also Loki. It's it's an animation version, but they're doing what if. So, and it's going to be like I don't know the the exact scenarios, but it's kind of it's going to kind of be like what if such and such won, or what if this. So, but it's only going to be animation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I I like Loki. Loki's probably my third favorite uh, villain out of those. And yeah. at the end of the day, I would love to see how his story or how he developed or his childhood or what he was going through during those time periods. Even Loki as uh, when he was acting like Odin. <laughs> you know, that's that's my thing. You know, I want to see I want to see Scar. What what was he doing while Simba was out in the um, the wilderness? He had a like bunch he of lionesses. He had a bunch of lionesses over there. They was running out of food, so he wasn't doing a lot, man. <laughs> he was chill. But see, that's that's only the part we saw. Maybe it wasn't his fault that everything was falling apart. You know what I mean? He got so, Obama. It, that is. He came, he came in on a recession. And, it's, and so, you know, Mufasa had all this stuff, had it set up. They were already headed down. And... um. You know, he inherited a bad, a bad pride, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's, <laughs> that that would be dope. Yeah. So uh, <sighs> that's that's a good one, Rizzy. 
What you got for us, uh, Buff? What question you got for us? All right, so it's a little, it's a little more serious. So I'm glad Razio uh, started it off like that. We we talked a lot about uh, George Floyd last week, and like in a matter of days, I've already seen like, and they're mostly like social media websites, but I've been seeing ads for you know George Floyd, I can't breathe, face mask. Things like that, pretty much uh, capitalizing on this man's death. Now, the argument can be made that, hey, somebody's going to do it anyway, so why not these people? Or for all I know, they could be donating it to a charity. I don't know. I just wanted to know how you guys felt about different people and entities making a profit off a man that we saw get killed on TV in nine minutes. Well, on cell phone camera. That's a that's a hard one for the simple fact that like you, you said, somebody's has to do it if we want that that motto to get out, if we want that story to get out. So it's no different than when people go and you know get the the spray painted heaven t-shirts at the funerals and things like that. It's like, it's a way to mourn. And, and at this point it's a little bit of protests and that type of thing. And so, I mean, you guys can shake your head, but it, it's, you it's, don't have to let the audience wrong. know that. <laughs> Finish no, your no, point. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're ready to pounce. <laughs> well, let Buff go first because I always get, Go ahead, little brother. Go They're about ahead. to pick on me, guys. See, Come to my see, rescue. See, here we no. go. Here we go. <laughs> Gotta play the victim. But no, but I mean that, that's why I say I'm torn on it because I, I get what you're saying about people capitalizing on it. But how it, whether it's a profit or not, the I can't breathe motto was worn by like the LA Lo- the the Lakers Kobe didn't didn't he wear uh, I can't yeah. breathe t-shirt and warm-ups like yeah. yeah like the thing about it is it actually serves a purpose like to same way we talked about sharing uh the video whether it's good or bad I I think this is one of the things that by having that shirt on walking around it brings attention to it cuz people know what that means mm. so yeah you want that it, it's basically the same reason why we sell our merch it's hey i want to i want to perpetuate this this you know thought or get people to ask about it or or talk about it and it does that and so you're trying to get that out so i and i i think that's yes people are okay it's a product that people want so i'm going to supply it uh that that's a little bit of the capitalism part of it but Truthfully, do you really think a white racist person is going to be like, yeah, let me go sell these. I can't breathe T-shirts so I can make a profit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I thought about selling some uh, Trump stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's it's not beyond my belief that white people would do that. But, you know, let's say that's an extreme thought. My thing is, you know... (sighs) It's kind of, it's kind of like, I've been seeing a whole lot of, we need to start supporting more black businesses and things like that. So 
here's what I say, because somebody's going to do it. Like whether we think it's tacky or not, somebody's going to do it. That's just the way it is. So if somebody's going to do it and you care about keeping dollars in our community, I, I would just say research the, the company because these, especially if you see like a little company on Facebook, like I, I purchased something from a company on, on, off of Facebook one time and I'll never do it again. It's like, it's almost like a scam dog. It's like, it takes so long to get the product. So I would just caution you for any fly by night website you see on, um, on Facebook, but uh, research it if you decide to do it and just kind of try to see who's behind it. And if you care about them having a cause like donating to the family or to the defense fund, I mean, not the defense fund, but, you know, in prosecuting the officers in this particular case or whatever like that. So just just do your research. Don't just in my opinion, don't just go buy a shirt just to buy it because it's the it's the trend right now. We don't want to turn this into some type of fashion trend like a man lost his life and we need to we need to remember the seriousness of it. Yeah, I agree with Byron wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think they would absolutely do that because if they're willing to capitalize off prisons, they're definitely willing to capitalize off a T-shirt. You know, nothing's stopping them. If that's a trend, if there's a way to make money from it, people are going to do it. And if there's a lot of people out there that have these saying, have these things because they um, they want to get the message out. They see a need for it. But I think there's just as many people who just want to profit for it. So I think we are responsible to raise our standards and almost have a, a for lack of better terms, approved vendor list. And to be on that approved vendor list, you need to pay into it. As well as certain amount of profits. And we need transparency goes to something that that benefits this cause or a approved cause because if I'm wearing this shirt and I'm wearing this shirt just to be trendy, then I'm not going to go to it, you know? And so I'm not right. You're not right. Whoever is making it is not right. But if I'm really wanting to wear this shirt to get the message out and to support any way I can the the issue at hand, and I have to pay extra $2 or $3 because I know that's going to help go to the prosecution fund or go to certain events or the travel for some of these protesters or the court fees for some of these protesters. I'm willing to do that. And we need to up our standards and start spreading that word saying, Hey, we're going to pay more because we support more. This is how I support, you know, we're not getting out there, you know, marching right now. So to pay an extra $3 to have an, I can't breathe t-shirt, you know, isn't a big thing, but I need to make sure that three extra dollars is going to a, a great cause. I'm tired of people profiting off of the sweat of our brow, you know, they've been doing this since the, the formation of America, you know, the, the country was built off of the, the disdain and the, the blood and sweat and tears of blacks. And so they're, they're, they're profiting off our death. There's probably some people, there's probably some people that had, I can't breathe t-shirts left over from Eric Garner. They're like, got them. I can sell these again. 
Like it's I I wish everybody was we can sit there and think that everybody's so benevolent and well wishing, but I just nothing about America, the 39 years I've been here, leads me to believe that people are just that goodwill and that good nature that they're doing this just to get the message across. I think there's people out there just that will put anything on canvas or cloth to get people to buy it. I, I get I get the group group economics piece of it. I get researching the company that you're buying from and knowing who they are. One hundred percent. I where I was going with was the actual sale of the shirt, like not the comp like not the company. Mm-hmm. Uh because I, I feel like the sale of the shirt is fine. Unless, like you guys say, it's a, it's a white nationalist or it's some company that's just trying to profiteer off of it, then I'm against it because I'm against that company. You know, it, that, so it, it's one of those things that I'm not trying to enrich that company because I, I do try to buy, buy black as much as possible anytime that I can. Um, but the thing about it is. I might be going to this this black vendor that still may not be doing anything for the community. You know, um, at one point, at one point I, I was when we were uh, kind of talking through merch. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. I was talking about making a shirt with all the names on it. You know, all of these folks that have died at the hands of police violence. And and I was going to make a shirt with all their names on it. And, you know, it it didn't sit right with me as much. And so we we didn't go down that road. But I'm sure if we had put it on the site people would have bought it. And, and I, I, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if I see that shirt, like I've bought one of those shirts before. So I, I, you know, when I wear it, I'm wearing it to get their names out to remember them by. And so it's a positive thing for me to wear those types of shirts. So the supply, the demand is there for it, and so somebody has to supply it. Oh, yeah. I agree. Like, I think I have no problem with the shirt. If well, I don't have a problem with the wear, if the wear is trying to get the message across, I don't have a problem with the seller if the seller is trying to get the merch, the the message across. But the seller has an to me an extra onus to if you're going to capitalize off this, then you owe. Like you've done nothing besides oh. I can't breathe is a catchy phrase. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt and sell it and make money. You haven't, See, you haven't <laughs> been creative. You haven't done anything for to me. So I feel like you owe back. There's a certain level of, and the thing about it is you don't have to, but I would choose not to support you. And it makes me think now that, that I should be more cautious of who I support because even if it was us, it doesn't have to be a white supremacist. It could be a black guy who's just an opportunistic person who just whatever it is, if somebody gets shot next week, hands up, don't shoot. Like whatever, whatever selling. They sold Kobe shirts. They're sell, they'll sell I can't breathe shirts. They'll say sell pandemic shirts, coronavirus shirts, whatever it is, they're willing to sell. I can't really, I shouldn't be, I should be rocking with you just taking advantage of situations See, like that. I I, I feel like that's the problem with us wanting group economics. It's all, it almost feels like it's, I want the, the brother hookup. Like I want you to sell me this shirt, but 
your profits need to go somewhere else, not to build your business and get it bigger so that now we have a black owned Hanes. We have a black owned, you know, t-shirt company that is actually like in every store and can get out like that. Like when you, when you take from people's margins in their bottom line, that's money that they can't put in their business and grow their business. But so I said I'm willing, willing, I, I, I literally said I'm willing to pay extra. You are, you are, but the market may not be. But that's what we said. How many we have times ship, have you seen a shirt, shirt go up our, and people be like, people be like, oh, I ain't paying twenty five dollars for a t shirt. With the shift, we have to shift our. I think we have to shift our standards and be willing to pay that because not because it costs more, just because they're a black business. We understand that this black business is giving to our community some more. Listen, if the only way they can build their business is off the death of George Floyd or David McAtee or Breonna Taylor, then maybe Preach. they don't need to have no business. Like if that, like if you, you saying the next black Haynes, so you can't come up with anything more creative to start your business than to capitalize and profit off of death. Then I, I don't know. Am I wrong? Like maybe I don't, I don't, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see your business thrive. So, 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 so are you saying you don't want to see the shirts at all? No, I'm not saying that, but there's one thing to like sell shirts. That's not necessarily a business. That's just like, Hey, I see opportunity or whatever. But if you're going to like build, like you, you mentioned Haynes and maybe I'm just too caught up on Haynes and the company it is that can afford to have Michael Jordan endorse them. But if you're talking about building a company like that, then you, to me, you do have to do something like Fur talking about. Like you got to include the family or something. Like you, you can't just build well, off that man. On that, once you get on that level, but the thing about it is, Haynes even started as a small company at one point that couldn't do that. That's what I'm talking about. If That's I fine. want to grow to Haynes, as as if I want to grow to Haynes while I'm still while I'm still here. While I'm still this small business that's operating out of my my garage or, you know, I'm drop shipping uh, still. So I'm trying to just drive traffic and get people into my site and then I'm going to drop ship it to them. But I'm trying to grow this business. And so every customer makes a difference. Every T-shirt that I sell Mm. makes a difference for me to be able to flip this company. I hate to go there, but put yourself in that family's shoes right now. Think about shirts that could be made right now. And you and your kids see none of it because it was a trend. That's a f-ing slap in the face. Or something that would go to something that your wife loved. It's like, oh, I can capitalize off of this. And I'm not saying I'm not saying all your profits. I'm saying a small percentage. And especially if you're established or even a small company, like I have friends that own hat businesses and hat companies and stuff like that. And they made certain things during certain periods of time. But usually from what I've seen, they might up the price a dollar or two to the point where that extra, and they put it in there. These $2 are going to go to uh, part of the proceeds go to this fund. I got 50 other t-shirts. This one t-shirt is $2 more, $3 more because it's a message, because it's trending, and that's going to go here. You don't know where to donate. You don't want to donate to this family this way or donate to the. Here's a way to get what you want and donate. You know, like I have to put myself in those shoes. It's easy to say they don't owe George uh, George Floyd's family anything, 
maybe they don't owe the family anything, but something good has to come out of, out, out of that outside of growing my my T-shirt business that capitalizes off the death of black people. That's not a business. That's not a good business. It's a business. Obviously, <laughs> it's definitely a business. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, but it just made me think like, man, I'll be ready to fight. If I saw that, a shirt, I'm ready to fight over that. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you know the family? Do you know this, this, and this? And of course, everybody doesn't know the George Ford Floyd family. But there's certain things that go, you know, like we're going to do a scholarship. We're going to do this. It's going to do this, 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 and this. It can. It might even be directly to the family, but it's something because we expect businesses to give back to our community, especially if they're part of our community. Especially we they, we do millennials do. Everybody doesn't. That that's part of uh, the millennial mindset is that giving back portion of it. Like we expect not, our companies to be but conscientious. Not, but is that wrong? Just because they no no. I, I'm just saying companies Everybody have gotten away with it so long. It's like you know what you've been making billions of dollars off of us. At least you can do this. You know we talk about the companies, especially non-black companies that are around in the black neighborhood, and if they're not supporting or giving back to the community i.e. some stuff that's going on in our hometown, you know, we question it. Why not question our own? Like, if you're not giving, if you're a black business and your your patrons are black, you do nothing to help the black community, I feel like you're getting over. But, hey, just me. I don't got a question yet, fellas. <laughs> what, what the hell? <laughs> okay, I'm going to end it with this. I've been debating on how to ask this. So, my question, I guess, is we've we've been going through these this this period and we've been trying to figure out how to deal with stuff and i think right now a lot of us are at the what can i do stage what's next so you guys are both intelligent young men what are your either ideas big or small that we need to do or start working on to help things like this not happen. If you can't stop it from happening, how do we get justice? Do we need black dollars? What's next? What, what can we do? And if you got like more detailed, actionable items, that's what I would really love to hear. And if there's something you plan on doing personally, please let me know. So I think this would be an entire episode worth if we were to really just kind of give some some full detailed ideas. The the number one thing I keep saying seeing is the whole financial part of it. Like we need to boycott this, boycott that, spend only here, spend only there, keep our money within the community. And I'm all for that. I'm not here to criticize that. I'm not going to even have too much input on how we should do it because I've seen different ideas on how to do it. When we come up with a majority decision, just know I'm rocking with you. But my question is, because we can't stop there. Like, I think people have this myth that if, let's say we we really do it this time, we really keep the dollars in the black community, we create a whole bunch of Atlanta, Harlem, Tulsa, Black Wall Streets, Everywhere, everywhere is predominantly black. We we create that. That's not enough. We're only 13% of the country. We still are going to have to work on racism. We always talk about how we had a Tulsa, 
I mean, we all remember what happened to Tulsa, right? So we had Tulsa and they came and burned that down. We had other cities just like Tulsa. They came and burned it down. So we we see what they're doing with like cities like Washington, D.C., where they're pushing black folk into Maryland and further south into Maryland. Um, we we see what's going on. We see how they gentrify Brooklyn and, and Harlem and things like that. So I'm for the money part. I'm not here to criticize it. I just don't want people to think once we get that, that we're good. We still going to need, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, we're going to need people in positions of power. And I'm not just talking about senators and congressmen. I'm talking about judges, the people that's handing down these sentences to us. I'm talking about district attorneys. I'm talking about chiefs of police. I'm talking about superintendents, principals, the ones that call the police on your little four-year-old because they're having a bad day in class or something like that. We need like-minded individuals, preferably that look like us, in positions of power. We need we need to attack this on all fronts. So, again, I'm reiterating, I'm for all the financial part, but if finances isn't your thing, then there are plenty of lanes for you to fill in, plenty of them. You know, let's focus on the, the uh, political part, the activism part, uh, because it's not going to happen overnight. There will be other protests. If you're not a protester, figure out a way to fund them. Figure out a way to bring supplies to them if they're near your city. Figure out a way to uh, maybe put them up in some hotel rooms, especially if they're traveling from out of town. We all can contribute in some way. We all don't have to try to do one thing. We can do many different things. And and then maybe we can begin to see a change, man. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, like I said last week, it's racism. Racism is the problem. And it's a shame that we as black people, as the three of us sit here, have to think of what can we do to stop this? It's like asking a room full of women, what can y'all do to stop men from from raping you? What can y'all do to stop men from from grabbing your ass or funding you at a, at a at a, uh, at a at a at an establishment? It's a shame that we, the victims, have to try to think of the solution. And that's not how it should be. But for the most part, that is how it be. There are some great white people that empathize with us and genuinely are trying to help. But for the most part, it's us. And that's a shame, but it's what we got to do. Let me hear from two smart, smarter individuals and see what they got. Well, you said smart. Right? You said smart. Right? They go. Uh, no, no, no. Byron's the smart one on this, man. I, you know how this stuff works, the the inner workings of it. I mean, you, you know, you sit there and you listen to the Senate and you listen to them like bicker, but at the same time debate and talk through the policies. So I agree and echo everything that you said. The financial part, yes, we have to try to keep the dollars in, but we also have to try to force the hand of these large corporations or, or build our own large corporations. But for the most part, we have to I, I I think there's an infographic out there that like 10 companies owns every other company in the uh, the world or some junk like that, like, you know, or, or 80% of the companies, it's something crazy, but like we have to look at those companies and those conglomerates and we have to force their hand. So if they aren't doing anything, then we have to divest from them 
and go somewhere else. Whether that is, you know, I always joke about going to get uh, Ray J's Raycons or whatever like that instead of going to get um, some beats. But the thing about it is that's the type of stuff that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to stop looking down on our people's products like they're less than or they're inferior. I mean, I know, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Shaq that came out with some sneakers Mm -hmm. that was made literally in the same factory that Nike sneakers are made in. Like he uses the same manufacturer, sold them for like $20 a sneaker or whatever. And people look down on the sneakers like they were bad just because they didn't have that Nike swoosh on them and they didn't have the marketing behind it. He like made some money have, too. Yeah. He made a lot of money off of it actually. Uh, but still the thing was, if you had them, those were Bobo's though. So <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. Let's not get it twisted. If you walked out in those, you were gonna, probably going to get talked about. So that's the part we got it. We got to stop talking about the lesser known brand. Like it's bad. You know, it, it, a brand. So that, in that, we just have to stop chasing brands in general. And that's crazy too. Cause we make everything cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we, we helping all these, uh, I, I don't want to keep saying white, but we, we're helping all the big name brands. And like you say, looking down on, on Shaq and Stefan Marbury, try to do the same thing as well, but we're the ones that make everything cool. So let's start doing it for black brands. Yeah, and that's what that's what Ray J tried to do with Raycon, but the problem is he didn't have the celebrity that really pulled it off, but he's making money off of those, actually. He's making really good money off of those. Um, but that's what we need. I can't remember, what's the picture where it has Diddy and Jay-Z and a couple, and they were like, it was like multi-billions of dollars in that one circle. I mean, there's no way that they can't, if they want to just launch their own brand and just make it huge. Uh, so that, I, my hat's off to uh diddy and all those other folks like if you're not drinking ciroc if you want to drink vodka that we might need to talk about that like the, there are you know african-american we're in a the the bourbon group there's an african-american bourbon uh company out there's a couple of them actually if you're not looking for those and trying to drink that then that's how you keep money flipping inside of our 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 circles and then from there, like you talked about with, we need, we need judges. I, I, I think I mentioned that in a, in a previous episode, we need people going in that feel like us, look like us, empathize with us, know about us. But it got to the point after looking at everything with George Floyd, I Googled how to set up a town. Like, do we need to just create our own town and go back to where we're Tulsa? Yeah, like build a Wakanda. You talked about having Atlantas everywhere, and and that's what we need. We need to really go start going back to the cities that make a difference for us. So then we can put a police chief in. The mayor looks like us. The DA in that city looks like us, or not looks like us. Even if they don't look like us, they empathize with us because they live with us every day. It's not where they live in the, the the nice suburb, but then they come in town to, you know, to be the administration for that town. Like they need to live in that city. They need to live in that town, in the heart of that town. And, and before they can actually really be administering it. And, and that's, that's hard to find. 
because not a lot of people are going to try to live in a, a median income, um, you know, area when they're making the top 10 percent in, in, in income. So there, there's a lot of things that we need to do. But the biggest part is just be active. We got to get active in all of these things. It, it, there's not a single prong attack where we can be like, oh, we just do finances or we just go vote because just voting isn't going to do it either. Because like you said, we're only 13% of the population and we're even, I, I keep saying it, and we're an even smaller amount of the electorate. So going to vote, we might sway one or two things here. What we need to do is really try to compress and consolidate in an area and then really try to control and and, and manage that area. Uh, so that's my biggest thing. I mean, do you think those two officers that tased the kids in Atlanta would have got fired had they been in Oklahoma? Nope. I work in Oklahoma. You know, definitely not. They, they would have, I mean, the, the blue line would have, or the blue wall would have went up and they would have been straight. Yep. So I agree with everything you all said. Um, but I, I, I think that's part of it. But I think that that's difficult because you're asking for a complete mindset shift, a paradigm shift. And I said it when I was talking to you guys in Ani Barack Hussein Obama the third uh, the other day. I think it has to be simple and sustainable, especially in the beginning, until we get the 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 wheels and the balls rolling. And I kind of mentioned to you guys my thought process and I've been thinking about it for a while and I need to actually look into it and I, and it, it might be a long shot, but I want to say, I want to say it's an autobiography from Malcolm X. I've been reading a lot of books over the years, so I'm just assuming it's there. But when he was talking about black, black economics and saying how, how little each American black American family would have to donate to create a, a, a lump sum of black, funds. So we always talk about, we throw the number around how many black people in America. Uh, it's safe to say it's over 45 million black people in America. So my thing is something as simple as finding a way to get a one fund or small funds, multiple funds where we can grow, pour into and it could be based off a of city, but it's the same organization. Call it like the Black Census or something, something, something similar, just for a lack of names. And you just ask for people to contribute monthly. Forty-five million Black Americans, and you say, "Hey, I want everybody in your family to donate one dollar per person in your household per month." That's the minimum we're asking. Even though we got 50% participation, we're talking about $22.5 million a month. At the end of the year, we're talking over a quarter million dollars that we have. And my thing is you, you create an app or something, whatever, where you push notification out. Hey, Rosie, you ready to pay your $3 this month? Quarter of a Bam. billion. Three, excuse me, quarter of a billion. You press yes, your $3 goes. You just ask people for simply, you want to donate $1 per person, $3 per person, $5 per person. We're talking something as simple as that. And 
I don't know the details. I don't know how to set up something that large, whatever the case may be. But I think so it's so easy for everybody to get on board with something like that. And that goes to what you were saying, Byron, when we're talking about building, because I don't want to just have that money sitting when we're talking about judges and sheriffs and people who have our interests at heart. When we say in the city of Mobile, because Mobile has their own chapter and all the blacks in Mobile who stay in a certain zip code or whatever the case may be, that fund goes to that area and Mobile is sitting on, you know, at the end of the 2021, twenty five million dollars. And everybody who's a registered member of this. This organization, whatever the case may be, has a vote per household. And saying, do we want to support Sheriff Mancarella? Here's his platform. And guess where I see his platform on? This same app. Fer, Fer, you 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 just described a political action committee. That's what a PAC is. I, I know I, that, but I'm saying we, we don't. We I, don't. I was thinking lobbyists or something like that, but yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what it, that's yeah. what it but is. That's what a political action committee is, does. Is they 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 hire lobbies, lobbyists. But, but it doesn't happen on our level, though. I'm saying. My mom is not into politics, but to ask my mom to donate two dollars, two dollars per two dollars for the household is not a huge ask. It's it's that small over the course of the year that this my mom and my stepdad in that house that's two dollars. That's twenty four dollars for the household. Can you donate that? They might not know. They might not even vote, but they know we have that money and it's buying power. For me, it's the it's the stance. That's what a lobbyist is. I was talking, but it's. We have, as a community, we have, in one year, we raised half a billion dollars. Rising, you are talking all this stuff about politics, and you're a great candidate, and we like what you have lined up. Here are our lists. Lobbying. This is what we need. Do you want this $2 million? Yes or no? Well, we need to see this on your platform. We need to see how you're going to make this happen. And we don't, we don't, there's, I know, Byron, you're about to go into it. No, I was going to say there's a brother in South Carolina within the margin of error running against uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. And your idea, because with him being so close and the black population in South Carolina alone, that could probably give him the push. Like what you're saying, I'm just I'm just imagining, man, it's a, it's a beautiful idea and. Go ahead. I mean, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just, so I just me, was thinking about me, it. Though. And I don't know the details. It would take you and Rizy with the financial background, the political background to execute it. But just think about an app. And then you have our black businesses. We've been talking about black businesses. They buy into that. They support that. That's how you get on that list that we buy black. Like it's a whole black community where you're saying, hey, these are issues. These are things we're talking about. You might have to. Yeah, you might have to pay some people to work. You know, would you take. A a $70,000 job, maybe not you, but a $70,000 job to go lobby for what we need, like certain funds. And that's how we, to me, it's not that simple, but it's like our buying power is there. Yeah, We can come up with, if we ask every black person to donate 10, 10 to $15 for for the year, we just gonna call it Black Pack. But you, you know what we were run into <laughs> because N- Nicole on a on, on a on a smaller level, yeah, on a smaller level, <laughs> Nicole Petit tried to do this. She was gonna try to like do something in Pritchett, and like Razio said, 
We it's have trust. Been, I know. We, we've been beaten down so much. We don't even trust each other. And that's the thing about it. <laughs> but the thing about it, how much does it take? How, how much do I have to trust you to give you $15? We're not asking for a lot. And that's, I think that's the thing. It's like, we have to start somewhere. That's why I'm saying, Rizzi, are you about to argue with me about trust over a dollar? I'm talking about a dollar, sir. Twelve dollars for yeah. the year. You you gotta so so here's the thing. You're asking for a dollar, but you you can't talk forty five million people a, and a dollar in mobile. That's forty five million people nationwide. And so you're asking a person in California to give money so that we can donate to a person in North Carolina. No, that's what I was to change, you know, but, but that, that's but that's kind of what we're doing now. With that's that's how the tax dollars work. Like New York mm-hmm. and California, they're pretty much paying for Alabama and Mississippi. So I don't I don't have the details so that's why I was saying it might be chapters. So it might be the people in Mobile or it might be Alabama might be broken up into Areas it might be four parts of area Alabama. They have four districts and they split the money and those things go where needed. And yes, I can't expect somebody in Texas to pay for something going on in Cali. Unless we realize that and that's why you have to have committees and, you know, a budget and certain things like it's going to go to, you know, we're going to have certain agendas and stuff like that. And you you let we're, the group- we're going we're going to North Carolina because we can flip the Senate. If if that happens, and so yeah, yeah those that, types of things. And those and, and that's that's what we have to understand. And so we can say, hey, in Mobile we have seventeen million dollars. We're not saying we're sending our whole seventeen million dollars there, but we're willing to donate a half a million. And if every one of these chapters or every one of these chapters donates fifty thousand dollars, and they gets all the way to California, we have two hundred chapters across the nation. You're like. We're talking about money going where we need. And the thing about it, it at least teaches us where how to play this game. And it might just be what's going on in Mobile. It might be what's, you know, but it, it starts somewhere. And yeah. the, the, the point of the matter was, like I said, I don't have all the details and, and it could be far-fetched, but that's how much buying power we have. We're saying if everybody donated 45 Forty-five. I've seen forty-eight million, but forty-five million black people donated ten to twelve dollars each. So, in your plan, you're not even asking people to boycott anything. You just because because you're you're, you're trying to get them to do something. Long, man, I'm hungry. Yeah. You tell me not to go to Walmart. Like Walmart, yeah. don't change that. All I'm saying is, Byron, damn, check your text message. Oh, it's the, it's today's the fourth. Oh, I pay every I pay my it's three all in the house. I pay my three dollars on the fourth of every month. Hit go. It's it's over. Done. No, no questions asked. Did that three dollars hurt you? Did you have to think about, man, I wonder if I'm gonna pay this three dollars this month? It's hell, I'll set up an automatic payment. You know, like, and you're saying, and you're making it very small. I don't want you, if you want to donate more, that's separate. But we're saying consistently one, three, or five dollars. Per person in your household. Macarilla household might donate 15. Y'all about You know what I'm saying? Like, those are things that we get and we just keep riding with it. And what I, I, I want to say was Malcolm X. When he said that, I was like, you're right, man. It doesn't take that much money. One time. 
we go to we go to Biden's campaign. People want to say they want to see Biden have a, a black agenda. We got a quarter. We got a quarter of a billion dollars to put something on your campaign that deals with us. We need to see something on this, 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 and this. And some of it might be national, like ten percent of all local funds go to our national, our national committee. Like I don't know the details, but to me, we got to start somewhere. And if we mess it up, dog, I gave twelve dollars over the course of the year. It didn't work. You got twelve dollars out of my money. I done lost twelve dollars this year. Sure, so, that's a, a six pack of Stella Artois. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got passionate about it because I'm like, I get frustrated because I'm like, man, are we making things too difficult? It's a serious idea that definitely can be built upon. Yeah. So, so uh, you trying to you trying to initiate it? I'll, Is I what you trying to, to say? So that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know where to start, man. I don't know where to start. Well, we thought so, because that's the thing. I mean, we could we we can definitely help research it and and find some some attorneys, some political activists, some and all that to get it together. That's that's not the issue. The issue is the fundraising part. It's the getting people to sign up and say yes, I will give you that dollar. And and I, and that's why I said it's such a small part because I I don't think I think the average black person wants to help and wants to be a part. They just don't want to be inconvenient. So like if it was an app or a link and you just because social media is easy. Like if I started today, I got this link and it was already set up and I'm like, hey, dog, check it, your, your text message. And I told both of y'all about it. And, and it became viral. Everybody signed like if it becomes viral, black people won't sign up for it. They don't sign up for it. You know, it's just, it is what it is. We'll sign up. And it's it's not hard. You know, like if I got to beg you, dog, like dog. So you're telling me you can't give a dollar. A month. How many times have you gone to McDonald's or freaking CVS and they're like, do you want to donate two dollars to St. Jude's? And you're like, yeah, screw it. You know, like you do it without thinking about it. This is our St. Jude's. This is our whatever place black organization or pla- that dollar you gave somebody else here. This is us. We're asking it once once a month. So. My time's no, up, fellas. I like it. I like I it. I definitely like it, man. We're going to discuss it some more offline. Hopefully one of our listeners, hey, any of our listeners that are political activists or have ideas like that or know how we can get this going, please reach out to us. I'm not acting like I'm any smarter than anybody else, and I definitely don't have the connections or know how to get this going, but I feel like it's worth a try. So um, with that being said, we're about to close it on out. Fellas, uh, what do you have to leave them with? Birthday boy, you want to go first? Yeah, man. Uh, I talked about the anime drought that we got going on right now. And so one of my birthday gifts was uh, Baki the Grappler is uh, launched on Netflix season two. So uh, if you like anime and you like boxing and uh, martial arts, uh, it's serious, man. It's it's a really, really good anime. So that dropped today. And I don't know if you guys watch Space Force or heard about it. Heard so about it. it's actually pretty good it's more serious than i thought and and for steve carell to be in it uh you kind of thought it was going to be slapstick and very high or like comedy but it's not it's it's more dry comedy which kind of fits with him but it's a lot more serious than i thought coming from a military side of somebody launching a new branch uh they make fun of like the coast guard in it and so one of the things in it he talks about 
you know, they're launching the Space Force. And so the Coast Guard is like, well, at least I'm not last anymore. And they're like, no, you're definitely still last, like even with the Space Force launching. So like it, it's it's funny, man. And but at the same time, I think it has some seriousness to it. If you're watching it for like uh, how to launch a new branch of the military and that type of thing. So uh, give it a try, man. And I, I think uh, some of you might like it. Well, first off, I want to give a huge shout out to Mike James. First off, brother, you reached out to me, man, during my time of loss. I really appreciate that. I hope I expressed it in my response. Second, I just like the consistency that he listens to the show. He shares it. I think we started getting some some followers just because of you sharing the show. So thank you for that. Uh, Leslie Yates, you left a great comment about the last episode. So we love that kind of stuff. We love the feedback. So thank you guys for that. I also wanted to say, you know, the tone of last week's episode, there was a lot of anger. I know a lot of people are feeling that anger. You're probably feeling despair as well. If you feel like you can't do anything about your anger, we mentioned how we got COVID going on. So we're still kind of stuck in the house just to try to help you look at the bright side. And don't get me wrong. It's still very dark. But think about this for a second. There was a protest in every state in this country for black for a black life that was lost. And I know you can say, man, you know, that's how it should be. And the, the nature of the murder. I get all that. But when have you seen that? You ain't even no black people in Utah, man, other than the Utah Jazz. They protested for a black and, life. And Iowa. they're still protesting. Iowa is like 96% white. They protested, man. So all I'm saying is, let's try to use this energy. Let's use this despair, this anger. We had it on this episode last week, and look what you got this week. You got Fur coming up with an idea that we probably can build upon. So let's 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 bottle up this energy we have, even if it's uh, negative right now. Let's bottle it up. Let's keep it. Don't let it go this time. We had Ferguson. We had Tamir Rice. We had uh, Eric Gardner. We had way too many names on the list. George Floyd is probably not going to be the last one. Matter of fact, what was it? A few days later, David McAtee, Breonna Taylor. So this isn't going to stop. You know, it doesn't matter how much we riot or protest. And I know we went back and forth on that last week. It's not going to stop. So we need to keep the energy this time and let's find what we can do to help. You may can't, you know, uh, donate to this charity or that charity. You may not be in the politics or whatever case it is. Find something you can do. And, and when it's time to have that big idea, be ready to unite. Even if it's not an idea that you totally understand, it's time to unite, man. It's time to unite. I know I'm on a soapbox right now, but I just wanted you guys to have some hope, man, that Birmingham, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, our hometown, they were protesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, this one feels different. I've been wrong before. I thought Ferguson felt different. We kind of let it go. This one feels different. So I hope I'm right this time. Keep that energy. Reach out to people. And, and, and let's, let's, let's make something happen, man. Let's make something happen off this one. Because the way that dude was killed in front of our eyes with that officer 
hands in his pocket, looking smug. He deserves nothing less than the death penalty. And he's probably not going to get that. He probably won't even get 20 years. That's if he's convicted. But we need to build on this. Don't let that rage and anger you felt when you saw that video be for nothing. Don't let it be for nothing. Let's do something. Man, that was powerful, man. Um, I'm just Hold on. Before, Fer, Fer, before you uh, get to yours, I just want the listeners to know how serious Byron has to be for him to bring up the death penalty because Byron has talked me off of the death penalty and he has been against the death penalty since pretty much like right out of high school. We had that first conversation about that and he's against the death penalty to the nth degree for him to bring that up and even say that for this, uh, this instance is it, that's a big deal. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, man, that's that that that's crazy, man. And I was talking to Z the other day. This feels different. And I think it's different just because. Notice there they, there's no that stand your ground, that defending your life, you were scared for your life. That argument's out the window. You can't you can't you can't hide behind that anymore. You can't say you had a knee jerk reaction and, and you just made a quick mistake. You had over eight minutes to realize that you were wrong. And at no point did you adjust or change your your tone. You had a this man had a total disregard for life. He had when people had begging a, him for he had people begging him. He had a man dying begging him. Not even people like this dude is begging for his life, calling for his his dead mother, and you have not flinched. You are with your hands in your pocket, and so I think that's that's what's different. There, you can't say, "Well, he was scared, dude." When I played football, when I ran track, when I was in the military, one of the most real, you know, what we did to relax, we took a knee. Like you, you are in the, the most comfortable position that almost outside of sitting, sitting down, you're comfortable. You're taking a knee on this man's neck for eight minutes. And I think the world, because you were talking about the U.S., they are protesting around the world. And I don't know if people realize, uh, and I could be wrong, but the $20 was not fake. Oh yeah, that's that's true. It wasn't fake. Yeah. Yeah, the twenty dollars wasn't fake. So this is almost another Karen type episode. Or you know, like somebody called the police on a black man because they assumed that he was doing something wrong and he lost his life. Man, um people don't let don't let your anger consume you. Use it to be proactive. Figure out what you're going to do. I hope everybody who is angry, everybody that hears the sound of our voice or listens to our show or shares our show or reads our comments. Tell your friends, your family, don't let this be the end. Don't let this die down and get upset again at the next go around because it's going to happen. With that being said, three brothers, no sense. 
Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. Happy birthday, Rozzy. We'll see y'all next week.